I'm Marianne Kolbesak McGee, Executive Editor at Information Security Media Group. Today I'm speaking with Jody Daniel, a partner in the law firm Kroll and Moorings Healthcare Group. Jody will be discussing the recently issued proposed rules from the Department of Health and Human Services Office of the National Coordinator for Health IT and the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services pertaining to the 21st Century Cures Act, Health Information Interoperability, Secure Data Exchange, and Information Blocking. So, Jody, what do you make of the proposed rules unveiled by ONC and CMS? What stands out, especially when it comes to provisions aimed at improving interoperable, secure health information exchange and also health data access to patients? These rules that have come out are really a bold move from the administration to push for greater data availability, for greater interoperability, and for greater exchange of health information electronically to help improve patient care. The rules, I think, are really can be very transformative and really represent a paradigm shift from what we've seen before. So under the existing rules, the HIPAA privacy and security rules, there is this approach where you can't share information unless you have a good reason to, and you do it in a way that also protects the security of that information. The ONC information blocking rules sort of turn that on its head and say, you must disclose information unless you're prohibited from doing so. So it really sort of shifts the expectations on entities that hold health information from one that was focused on privacy to one that's more focused on data access and availability. It's still, the rules will still require that there is a balance with compliance on privacy and security rules. Um, And so I think it's going to be really interesting and it's going to be a challenge for the industry to figure out how to walk that line between protecting data and making data available to improve care for patients. So now, Jody, what do you see as the current top barriers to interoperability and secure health information exchange? And do you think the rules as proposed would sufficiently address those issues? I was in the administration at HHS for many years working on these very issues. And when we were trying to promote interoperability, it turns out that the technology wasn't really the barrier. The barrier was the business incentives and the operational policies and practices of the entities that were holding the health information. So there really wasn't an incentive to share information. And in fact, there were penalties if you shared information and you should have kept that information private and secure. So these rules really get to the business practices. In the case of health IT developers, they do this through conditions of certification, through requirements to make data available through application programming interfaces or APIs, and then also through the information blocking prohibitions. They specifically say that if you have certain practices in place, certain revenue sharing models, cost models, things like that that are in place, that those can be violations of the rule. The other thing that's been a real challenge in the past is that while individuals have had the right of access to their health information since the HIPAA privacy rules first came out in 2000 and 2000 and then in 2002, that individuals have continued to have difficulty in accessing their health information even though they have the right to it and even though the information is now available electronically. 
there was even a, a recent study that I had participated in that where Yale found that the top hospitals were failing to meet requirements for timely access to patient data. So both the CMS rule that's focused on patient access to payer data as well as the ONC rule that's focused on patient access to their own clinical data really sort of turn this on its head and attempt to make it easier for patients to electronically access their information and change that experience that we have seen in the market. So now, Jody, when it comes to the information blocking provisions, ONC spelled out seven exceptions to information blocking, including instances related to the security of electronic health information and non-discriminatory practices to protect privacy. What do you think of the privacy and security exceptions? I think that they have attempted to address some of the challenges that we're seeing. We, we have seen in the past where entities that hold health information have used the HIPAA privacy or the HIPAA security rules to limit availability of data. They say, well, I can't disclose that because of the HIPAA rules, even when it was permissible. So the intent here is to sort of address that and say, no, 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 if you can disclose information, you should make it available. And they do talk about the privacy and security exception being designed so as to enable these two rules to work in in harmony and so that one doesn't conflict with the other. So you still have to comply with the HIPAA rules. You still have to um, comply with both privacy and security. You still have to do security risk assessments. But there really is a significant shift here, as I mentioned earlier. We just had a HIPAA request for information that had come out that was asking about required disclosures for treatment payment healthcare operations. Should entities, should covered entities under HIPAA be required to disclose information for treatment payment and healthcare operations? They were asking this question, but this proposed rule does just that. Here they say, if it is permitted for treatment payment and healthcare operations, and it isn't meeting another exception like trying to avoid harm to a patient, now it's required that you make that information available under the proposed rules. So assuming that they would be finalized, something that would be permissible today would now be required tomorrow. So this is a real, a real shift. There is actually an interesting example in the rules where they say that if an entity, like a healthcare provider, required written dis- written consent to disclose information for treatment purposes, that this could be information blocking. Even though the privacy rule, if you look at that, expressly permits a covered entity to obtain consent. So the privacy and security exceptions do align the information blocking rule with the HIPAA rules. So while the rules are aligned and you can comply with both of them, the proposed information blocking rule changes the way that folks would comply with the HIPAA rules in a very dramatic way so that now something that is permitted under HIPAA would be required under the information blocking rules. So it actually would compel disclosures of information in areas where those disclosures would be allowed but not required. In the security exception, it talks again about the two rules aligning. And it says explicitly, though, that the fact that a practice complies with the HIPAA security rule doesn't establish that it meets the conditions of the the security exception for information blocking. So you can be in compliance with the HIPAA security rule and still be in violation of the information blocking rule and not fit in within the security exception. 
they say that the types of things that would, the conditions that would make it comply with information blocking is if the security practice is tailored to a specific risk, is applied consistently in non-discriminatory way, and is in writing, and again, also consistent with industry standards. So these rules really work together and not only create new requirements on covered entities, but make them have to consider their existing practices under the HIPAA privacy and security rules. So Jody, with that all said, in terms of the information blocking privacy and security related exceptions, do you think these exceptions will still make it tempting for HIPAA covered entities to use privacy and security concerns as excuses for why they won't share health information or make records available to patients or to other entities that might need the data? No, I think the penalties under information blocking are significant, and I do think it will make any entity that uses HIPAA as a shield for sharing information to have to rethink those practices. Even nowadays, even where a healthcare provider or a health plan is not sure if information could be disclosed under the HIPAA rule, it's easier to not share that information and avoid the risk of violating those rules. Now, if you take that conservative approach, you may be in violation of the information blocking rules. So entities are really going to have to think carefully about what is that line of compliance with HIPAA as well as with these new ONC rules um, regarding information blocking. And we're, um, the timelines are very short for thinking how, through how to do this. In the case of the CMS regulations, compliance is by 2020. And the ONC regulations are likely to be effective shortly after they are finalized. So, Jody, what do you think of the proposed potential penalties for organizations that do engage in information blocking? Will those potential penalties be enough of a deterrent? And why or why not? So, it's not clear exactly how the Department of Health and Human Services will investigate and enforce violations of information blocking today. The Office of Inspector General does have enforcement authority with respect to these rules, and the penalties can be very high, and the statute it specifically says that the penalties can be up to a million dollars per violation. We don't know exactly how the department will determine what a violation is. So given the ease of electronic requests for access to data through technology, the number of violations could be very high. If every time somebody requests access and they're denied, is that one violation or is that many violations? So I think that the healthcare entities that are subject to these rules really should and will pay attention to this changing set of requirements for making data available because the risks to them could be very high in terms of penalties. So Jody, in terms of the information blocking and the potential changes, what sort of impact might that have on organizations when it comes to their chief information security officer and the people who are responsible for that area? It's a great question. I think it is really important for folks to pay attention to what is being proposed here and think about how they might operationalize it within their organization and think about what they're currently doing and what would have to change if these rules were finalized. 
there is a 60-day comment period, so there's an opportunity to comment. And as somebody who used to write regulations at the Department of Health and Human Services, the feedback is actually very important to getting the policy as close to right as possible. I also think that it's really important as privacy and security officers and compliance officers are looking at their practices to make sure that they are documenting what they are doing, that they have, that they're implementing their policies in a non-discriminatory manner, that they're considering what are standards, what are industry standards for privacy and security of health information, and that they're as close to those as possible. I also think there's a really great opportunity for industry to come together to develop some best practices where there might not be a generally accepted or common approach because it will provide some certainty for organizations that are following those to say that they have done so in a thoughtful manner and they're doing, they're acting consistent with how other entities are acting. I also think it's very important for folks who are dealing with privacy and security of health information as well as health information access to think about the arrangements that they have with partners um, because these rules may require and will likely require changes in those business relationships, changes in their contractual obligations, and the changes may take place in a fairly short period of time. We're already advising clients on how to respond and operationalize some of these requirements, and there are some entities that are very far along in their thinking and some that really have a long way to go to comply with these rules if they are finalized, similar to how they are written. Thanks, Jody. I've been speaking to attorney Jody Daniel. I'm Marianne Kolbesak-McGee of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening.